Welcome to a special edition of the StatCast. I'm your host, Clark Brooks of On3 Sports and SEC StatCat. So unlike the normal episodes that focus exclusively on SEC play, we're going to expand the scope and talk about the top transfer portal quarterbacks in this upcoming cycle. So with this transfer window closing on May 1st for eligibility for this upcoming season, we have a pretty good idea of what guys are going to be in our on three top 150 transfer portal players. Most of these guys are going to make that list, but I should say that it is not a pure talent big board type of thing. It is more of an impact score. Who's going to have the best college impact at their next stop? But on this list, it's going to be what quarterbacks I truly think are better. So the rankings might not perfectly align with what ultimately winds up on the site, so keep that in mind. You can always skip ahead and not necessarily have to listen to everything I have to say on some of these players because, after all, some of these guys are going to be completely relevant to some others. Others are going to be in the national spotlight. So I will not have my feelings there if you want to skip ahead. But do keep in mind. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! And with that, let's get going. Number 20, Jared Dogie, West Virginia to Western Kentucky. So we're starting off with Jarrett Doge. He is leaving West Virginia, and he's heading to Western Kentucky. So he began his career at Bowling Green, and he will end it in a Bowling Green. So pretty interesting. But, yeah, his career, not too flashy whatsoever. Um, only one 3,000-yard passing season as a starter. Uh, you know, his completion percentage, sure, check some boxes. Yeah, he's accumulated 80 touchdowns to the air, whatever, whatever. Um, it's just when you look at him perform, it's overly a rinky-dink style, and that's why he's ultimately the first quarterback leading us off. So speaking to the rinky-dink style, he's coming from like an air raid type of system. He should see similar concepts at his new stop, but yeah, he really did focus in on the short stuff. And when he did take chances deep, so 20 yards or more, that is our cutoff for deep passing. <laughs> he only completed two of uh, 21 attempts, so not too flashy whatsoever. He was not accurate, and he did not have a completion with an air distance downfield beyond 24 yards. So, yeah, he was not necessarily leading guys open. He was somewhat of a nibbler. Um, he took what the defense gave him for the most part, and that's why uh, when you look at his down-to-down accuracy numbers, so... Like I said, I charted all these guys against their five or six hardest opponents. And unfortunately, his was all against top 20 defenses in the SP+. So he had a really hard degree of difficulty. That being said, he really was lackluster. This is the one thing that you can really point to and say, okay, he can throw at least a decent ball short. His down-to-down accuracy is just a hair short of 60%. Um, it's one of the highest in the group, top five, top six in the group. But his average depth of target of 9.7 is also bottom five. And w when you're throwing short, it's a little bit easier, obviously, to be accurate. And when, But when you apply more weight, the further a pass travels downfield, depth-adjusted accuracy, I'd absolutely love this statistic. So it really does help the great downfield throwers, you know, the guys who can throw accurately downfield, really shine and really punish the guys who are just padding their stats short. So... 
when you do that, his figure comes out to be 33.5, which is the worst in the group. So, yeah, again, that's another reason why he's leading us off. Moreover, he's throwing short. It's very little return of uh, explosive gains and situational success. So his 37% success rate, it was about 10% below the group and SEC play average this year. That's not what you want. His uh, first down touchdown rate, about the exact same deficit. And uh, unfortunately, his interceptable pass rate, even though it's somewhat passable at 6.2, considering his degree of difficulty, it's never good to turn in a very paltry 6.2, exactly the same, explosive pass rate. So, um, yeah, he's a very lackluster passer. So the good thing for him moving forward at Western, he shouldn't be facing too many top 20 defenses on his schedule. So he should have a, a much easier slate to say the least. But I don't know if he's going to have enough weapons to do enough damage considering that he really does rely on his receivers to make explosive gains. He's not one to necessarily manufacture them himself and i mean a uh, big red flag if you're coming from an air raid system and you're you know a not a mobile guy this guy took way too many sacks so i have a thing called drop back sack conversion rate is essentially pressure to sack ratio but it only looks at uh, a quarterback's true drop back passes no no screens no rpos anything like that two-thirds of his pressures resulted in a sack that's just way too much way too much so his drop back sack rate 16.5%. That doubled the SEC average against SEC defenses this past season, despite turning in a above average, you know, a good. His team did a fairly good job preventing pressure down to down. It's just when the pressures came, he just could do nothing about it. And when you're actually looking at his throws against pressure, 47% of them were uncatchable. A sixth of them were interceptable, and less than a seventh of them were accurate. And even when he was clean, um, you know, just looking at clean, drop back, no play action, you know, not no no disguises against the defense. You're just straight up to drop back and pass. What can you do? What can we expect from you? And also inside the pocket to kind of get rid of some uh, designed rollouts that have some nice, easy high lows, you know, gimme stuff. So besides that stuff, his floor passing, as I like to say. So keep that in mind so I don't have to say that every time. So it's clean dropback passes without play action that are inside the pocket. That's our floor. When you're looking at this kid's floor, his accuracy is below average. His interceptable is fine. His explosive still is so, so bad. And even though he does throw a catchable ball, like I said, you know, he doesn't waste too many chances. It's just when he's asked to throw downfield, he usually does a very, very poor job. And down to down, his 39.0% success rate is 12 points below the SEC average and, of course, one of the worst in the group. So speaking to his middling arm strength, that's really the thing that's kind of holding him back, the ability to stretch the ball downfield, and it's really apparent when he tried to detest tight windows. So he had about 23% of his attempts a target tight windows or contested attempts. Um, he only completed 40 of them. Only a third were accurate. Almost a quarter were straight up uncatchable. Um, and even more, check this out, were interceptable. 37% of his tight window throws were interceptable. So, yeah, he's not one to you know zip it in there. So he's a really much of a touch passer. He's a nuanced passer. I would say he's a full-on nibbler. So buyer beware for the toppers. Number 19, Dylan Gabriel, UCF to Oklahoma. So Dylan Gabriel, he's a guy who I think has pretty good boogie. He's a left-handed quarterback. Uh, 
coming from the super spread offense, you know, the Baylor offense. So this is pretty interesting. So he starts with Josh Heupel's variation of the offense at UCF, who is now at Tennessee. And that offense is a little bit more vertical, up and down, than Jeff Levy's and Kendall Bryles' variation of it. So Jeff Levy is going to be his offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. That variation is a little bit more horizontal, so crosses, hitches, slants, you know, from hurry up, no huddle, instead of like the janky type of BS that uh, Heifel likes to get away with, but stack sets and, you know, downfield tunnel screens and uh, things like that. So Dylan Gabriel, he was asked to throw deep, downfield quite often when uh, Josh Hype when he was at UCF I should say period um, his average depth of target was 11.1 that is one of the highest in the group so that made his down to down to grip difficulty pretty hard so his success rate you know first down touchdown rate result based metrics most of them were well below average because down to down he just uh, delivered poor returns his accuracy even though he, you know that this is just not his strong suit, fifty point nine is the worst in the group. And when you do depth adjusted, yeah, he's he's near the bottom of the group as well. So um, he does have good boogie to him, but it's just the accuracy, ball placement issues that are really really concerning. Considering his average arm talent, the furthest I saw him throw downfield was about forty seven yards past line of scrimmage. Um, he has a high arcing deep ball. You know, when it's on target, those are just so pretty. You know, those bucket throws, those are so pretty. But they're also prone to draw defensive pass interference, contested uh, interceptable balls, and allow a burnt defensive back to recover and potentially break up a pass. So those are never, never, never good to provide uh, the defense opportunities at your passing. All in all, his interceptable pass rate at 9.8. Ouch. Think of that. Almost one out of ten passes in his sample here had potential to be picked off. Uh, that was the worst in the group. It's a big concern. Big, big, big concern. You can't be doing that stuff. And even when you're looking at the gimme stuff, the short throws, sometimes um, he kind of underthrew guys. So uh, here's an example of a type of play. You know, a guy had a 10-yard curl outside the numbers, and the throw would be five yards downfield. So the receiver would have to come back, and, you know, he would have to be moved off his mark. You know, it still went down as a catch. You know, it still went down as a completion, you know, in a successful gain or whatever. But it really did make receivers, you know, not really maximize the cushion they were getting against maybe single high or the sagging quarters or whatever. That's something to keep in mind. Again, it's just ball placement matters, folks. It really does matter. you got to play the odds. You can never really maximize people who like to, you know, put the ball in the harm's way so he's really aggressive um he tested tight windows kind of like how dogie did you know 23 percent of his attempts were contested but only less than a fifth were successful less than a quarter were accurate and um 60 is what i'd like to call being tossed up um his overall sample so uh, it's just not really really good uh, whatsoever he really did bank on his receivers to try and win jump balls or make plays so um in structure though he is hit or miss. He's much, much more efficient. You know, when I was talking about the floor, his success rate, his first down touchdown rate, his explosive pass rate. So that's the thing that, okay, to take a one step back for a second. Overall, his um, explosive pass rate of 8.5% was below average. So, like, you might have been asking yourself, okay, he's below average down to down in terms of results, and he throws the ball in the harm's way, but it's at least giving us some type of explosive gains to try and offset that. No. 
Um, yeah, his interceptable pass rate was about a point and a half uh, more, which was right around the SEC average last year at 10%. So to thrust forward, his explosive pass rate was 15.5% uh, without play action inside the pocket, you know, without when not pressured. But the thing is, unfortunately, he still pressed. Almost an eighth of his past attempts in these situations were interceptable. Uh, but you do got to like the fact that his down-to-down results were at least better. So that's something maybe for Jeff Levy to, to monitor moving forward. Of course, this is just a glimpse into you know his output, what he could probably project as a passer. But it doesn't look too auspicious in terms of preventing giving defenses a chance to get the offense off the field. Because uh, when isolating... His play action stuff, um, his success rate would have been dead last in the SEC. His accuracy would have been bottom two. His depth adjustment would have been bottom three. So it's just really, really not any good. And his explosiveness was probably 10% below, or at least it tracked to be, below 10% below the SEC average when using play action. So, yeah, play action in general just not good whatsoever. He was, like I said, with his boogie, he's, he was average at getting away from sacks and stuff, but he was just terrible against pressure outright. So his accuracy was, eh, was middling, but like the result, and it's relatively middling, but his, um, his results were just terrible. So he has to be kept clean. He has to see the field. He has to keep his eyes always on the defense and know where to go with the ball because his natural accuracy and arm talent cannot make up for des- late-breaking designs. Number 18, Casey Thompson, Texas to Nebraska. So Casey Thompson is really just a lukewarm option. He turned in a average to below average resume basically across the board, no matter how you want to splice it up. So that's neither good nor bad. I mean, that, some people will just take a plug-and-play type of option. So um, especially when you're looking at downfield passing, when you're looking to get a little bit of a spark to make sure that you can at least seize explosive gains, he has shown proven competence. So when looking at his passes beyond 10 yards downfield, he's right on the money on the SEC average, uh, both 20-plus and 11-20. to 20. So mid-range and deep, he's right on the average. So, yeah, he does throw a little bit of uh, an interceptable pass. He does throw the ball in the harm's way. You know that you can at least, you know, you don't have to handcuff him by only throwing short like some of our other options. He needs guises, though, no doubt about it. When you strip stuff like play action and RPOs away from his resume, his returns are just not as strong. So looking at the play action, his results beat the SEC average, even though his process metrics were not necessarily the strongest. But the thing is, the best Sark was able to get out of him was using his you know, his motion, his pre-snap adjustments, and play action with his fun patterns. So the thing that really is the major red flag on his profile you know, if you're not scared already by the mediocrity, is the fact that a quarter of his um, attempts in his sample were uncatchable. It's the worst in the group, 24.3%. So, I mean, he moves decently well. He is not the most special eraser, but look, the thing is he didn't take a lot of sacks. Uh, and he faced an average amount of pressure rate. That's, I mean, the downfield offerings, the confidence there, and just not taking sacks, that's good. I mean, he's a fairly good quarterback in rhythm when he knows where to go with the ball, but it's just the average arm and the fact that his passes loses mustard when he's on the move. That's never good when you're a mobile quarterback. You kind of need to be able to maximize that skill set as opposed to just being a one-dimensional type of runner, you know, a scrambler, if you will. When he has to move off his mark, he just 
that's when things kind of go awry, to be honest with you, especially in breakers. So that's where a decent amount of his interceptable passes came along in general. When you're stripping away all those things, like I said, you know, and looking at his floor passing, his things come in at a below average rate. His success rate, five points below our average. Depth adjusted accuracy, four points below the average. First down touchdown rate, six points below the average. And interceptable, two points ahead of the average. So um, it's really, really concerning. So um, even though he is average across the board, it's really hard to get hyped up about average. So... And when you are looking at stuff outside the pocket, you know, like I said, his passes kind of lose mustard. The results, the stats kind of back that up. Only 32% of his uh, attempts outside the pocket were accurate um, with a 37% success rate. Yuck. 15.5 depth adjusted accuracy and a 16% interceptable. So ugh, just not what you want whatsoever to have a sixth of your passes outside the pocket that have potential to end a drive right there. But when you take a step back and you look at everything, I mean, like, when you look at his resume, his results, compared to the group, you know, his down-to-down -down success rate, depth-adjusted accuracy, raw accuracy, um, it's right on par with the transfer group average. So, um, you know, if you're playing apples and oranges, ifs and buts, you know, grass is always greener in the transfer portal, things could be worse, absolutely, if you're Nebraska. So, the, the upside should be at least that he doesn't throw the ball into harm's way as much as his predecessor. But the thing is, we still don't know if he can take care of business without using play action. Number 17, Adrian Martinez, Nebraska to Kansas State. So Adrian Martinez, you know, he was slightly better than Casey Thompson in both process and results. So I gave him a little bit of a nudge here in the rankings, but he's still... Um, buyer beware for sure. Um, he's very hazardous. You know, I already after mentioned the turnover worthy plays, and that is absolutely the number one big, big concern with him. So, you know, he had a very hard sample. You know, he had 38 starts. He had he has seen things, guys. Uh, 14 top 35 defenses, you know, in his time at Nebraska. But 8% of his passes in his sample were interceptable, and he had a uh, multiple game-altering plays that really hurt the team, whether it be a sack or a fumble or a safety late. The fact that I have multiple examples of those in a five- to six-game sample is, uh, yeah, speaks for itself. So, yeah, sure, he's playing against teams like Ohio State, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, really tough people, but gosh dang, you can't, you know, give opponents that many stats. So the hope is that he can improve in another environment because – yeah, guys, he was pressured a lot in his sample. 42% of his pure dropbacks faced a form of pressure. And even though he was above average um, not, and taking sacks, you know, pressure to sack ratio, he's well above average in that. It's just the fact that this stuff overly soured his profile. He had a much larger slice of his pie affected by pressure than the average passer. So even though his first down touchdown rate Accuracy percentage, an uncatchable pass rate, when pressured, were better than the SEC average this past season in a very tough slate. It's just the fact that there was so much more than the average that it really brought things down because, generally speaking, pressured returns cannot match clean returns when things are supposed to work in rhythm. You know, when you're not having to improvise with off-platform releases and try wacky things to extend plays and try and manufacture things. Playing backyard ball, you can just stand there and throw. It's a lot easier. When you do strip away all this stuff, 
like Casey Thompson, he's very, very good using play action. Like, I mean, like he's one of the – in the group, his play action returns are probably the best around. And we're talking about like a 64% success rate. He has an accuracy percentage that matched that. His depth-adjusted accuracy was six points above the SEC average. 56% resulted in a first down or a touchdown, and 31% – resulted in a gain of 20 yards or more. Moreover, his interceptable and uncatchable pass rates were right on par. So um, he was truly his best self in those instances. But when you strip it all away, it really does accentuate how much he really did need play action to grease his bottom line. Only 4% of his clean drop back passes without play action inside the pocket in his sample resulted in an explosive pass. Compare that to an 8% interceptable pass rate. I hate to keep saying that about um, this guy, but throwing the ball in the harm's way, whether clean or pressured, is just a big, big, big red flag. Like I said, he just has way too many instances where, gosh, man, why do you have to do that? In structure, his down-to-down success rate was fine, but everything else was basically well below average, as was his 5.9 yards per attempt. Sure, when you isolate his downfield throws, and you know a lot of these were off-play action because down-to-down he was kind of conservative. He was very schemy. You know, and I wouldn't, I don't wouldn't say like he used RPOs or like screens a whole lot. It was just the fact, that, yeah, the play action stuff was very, very uh, ingrained to what Nebraska's offense is all about with Scott Frost. So down to down, though, he was dinking and dunking. He really didn't take too many shots unless the play action was involved. And this is where all of his explosive games came through, like I said. He has very little anticipation, but he's a pretty decent athlete. You know, he did have plenty of blow-bys either around the edge or up the middle, getting north and south against flat-footed defenders. So that is one thing that you can really um, loud him for. The downfield stuff, I mean, it— even though it was facilitated by play action, the results are the results. A 46% deep completion percentage and his mid-range completion and accuracy was right on par as well. So, um, sure, it's not perfect. His process is overly flawed. His, like I said, his uncatchable, his interceptable, his accuracies are certainly below average to um, con- in concerning range. But you know that he can at least keep you alive with his legs and potentially give you explosive gains. So can he drive the bus? I don't think so. I think he has to be a secondary type of facet for an offense. But, you know, he is going to play in a different type of scheme. You know, Scott Frost is more of a wide-open type of scheme, or I should say a spread scheme, more to a pro style like they're doing at Kansas State, which should have a little bit more under center deception stuff. So he should get plenty of those tactics at his new stops. It's just going to be a little bit different in terms of the operation. Can he limit putting the ball in the harm's way? Can he continue to deliver big gains? Those are the major concerns with him. But, you know, in terms of taking sacks, he's pretty good at avoiding them. And he's fairly decent against pressures. Just can he see a sustained stint where he's not running for his life? Number 16, Jaden Daniels, Arizona State to LSU. So, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Jaden Daniels. And as we saw from LSU's recent spring game, he has a lot of concerns and a lot of room for improvement. So he can attack vertically. He has decent tools. He's a decent athlete. Of course, his number one selling point is his scrambling ability. So during his, you know, five, six game sample, 
pretty hard sample, but uh, interesting enough, he had exactly 28 scrambles and 28 designed runs. And uh, yeah, bo in both facets, his success rate was north of 60%. You gotta like that. His first down touchdown rate was north of 39% in both aspects. You gotta like that. But one thing that really stands out, his broken tackle rate during scrambles really did accentuate his potency in that area. 57.1 broken tackle rate with a 3.5 yak average. So that allowed his yards per carry to reach 7.5 on scrambles. Now, a lot of his scrambles are just running to open space. You know, when the, there's not necessarily someone barreling towards him. It's just a, a broken pass play with everyone dropping back. And he's just, you know, running right upfield. He can absolutely make people miss when he has positive inertia. He's less keen on getting rid of pass rushers in the pocket or behind the line of scrimmage when they get their hands on him. Unfortunately, um, his dropback sack rate in his sample here more than doubled the SEC average against SEC defenses this year. 62% of his pressures resulted in in a sack so it's not as bad as Jared Dogey but gosh dang it it's pretty darn close and considering the athlete this guy is that is a major major hold up moving forward for the Tigers so you can really see why he has not locked up that quarterback job down in the bayou so in general when he's when he is pressured his uh, results are kind of middling but his accuracy certainly is below average luckily for him his line that he's cut he came from actually did a fairly decent job at preventing pressure at least by SEC standards and uh, again this was against his hardest opponent so he is somewhat erratic with his accuracy though and that's uh you know I always hone in on accuracy with quarterback guys so he has some errancy throwing low and away so you know towards the right outside the hash sometimes they'll just be grounders like the guy just has no chance to get the ball and, like that's kind of inexcusable you can't be biffing layups like that and when you look at his raw accuracy across his sample, it was 50.9%, tied for the worst. We already mentioned who was already the worst, Dylan Gabriel. But the thing, unlike Dylan Gabriel, he was not throwing downfield uh, as much. So 8.9 was his average depth of target. That was basically two yards under Gabriel's, and his is one of the lowest in the group. And uh, yeah. Despite focusing short, you know, trying to take the more manageable approach, his down-to-down -down results did not come either. Uh, his success rate was below 40%. His depth-adjusted accuracy was below 35%. Uh, his first down touchdown rate was below 33%. Even though he was average at getting explosive gains, still over a fifth of his passes were uncatchable. And again, if you're focusing short and you're wasting that many passes, especially when you're trying to take the top off the defense or really um, take advantage of them looking towards the line of scrimmage with all your rinky-dinky spacing patterns, it's a concern. So that really does handcuff the prospective outcome of what LSU's upside offensively might be this year. So you can really see why he hasn't locked things up. But, yeah, speaking of the spacing stuff, it wasn't just this past season. My first note in my notebook uh, about his, like, operation was holy spacing sticks and screens, Batman. I mean, we're talking about rinky-dink, 
horizontal stuff, easy, manageable, rudimentary passing designs where it meant to speed up his clock, where he can mostly pre-diagnose where he was going to go with the ball pre-snap because it's, you know, it's a quick passing game. That's basically what it's all about, just a quick two-man read for the most part, three-man um, against certain zones. Curl flats, you know, some people call it poker, some people call it Hank. You know, whatever you want to signify it, it is seen on all levels. So don't get me wrong. Like, it's just the fact that you don't need the biggest arm or the best quarterback in the world to find uh, success with it. And it was riddled across his uh, sample. Same with stick. So very West Coasty type of thing. So his arm talent is fairly average. You know, the furthest pass I caught from him was 48 yards downfield. So isolating you know his downfield throws we'll just look at 10 plus yards like we have with the other guys um his completion percentage pretty good right 44 percent about seven points above uh the sec play average but when you look at his process metrics like uncatchable and accuracy his actual like placement on his down to down tries both below average so a little concern there with his process, but if you want to make excuses for him, you can perhaps say he was not dealing with speedsters, but at uh, the same time, it wasn't like he was leading guys open either, so um, you got to look at it both ways. So he just, I don't know, he's just a little lukewarm to me in that regard, and when you look at his mid-range, he was awful. Both his completion and accuracy percentages were double digit points below the SEC average in this respect. So that's on targets from 11 to 20 yards downfield, and a third of these attempts were uncatchable. That is really, really concerning, and uh, almost an eighth of them were interceptable. So that area of the field is absolutely not his strong suit. So really, it is close to the line of scrimmage or um, seldom deep shots. 20 plus and even though yeah he gives his guys a decent stab at it as you can see with a pretty decent completion percentage it's just his pinpoint precision and propensity to make the most out of his tries are not necessarily the best and again that's why he's so low he has a lot to prove this summer if he's actually going to even start but we'll see what's up with him in the coming months emory jones Florida to currently undecided. So the former Gator slides in here just because he's a little bit more accurate than Jaden Daniels. So when we look at him, he's a frustrating prospect. Don't get me wrong. He has a lot of Terry Wilson in him in the fact that he is risk adverse to the sense where he doesn't like to push the ball downfield a whole lot. He kind of needs to be goaded to use play action to facilitate his reads. And uh, unfortunately, even though he tries to avoid the risky throws, he can't help himself, but occasionally making a risky throw. So his interceptable pass rate at 8.2, well into the danger zone. But when you look at his depth adjusted accuracy at 55.6 in SEC play this past season, it was one of the highest in the conference. So it was very boomer bust. But the thing is, like I was saying, he did not necessarily seek out explosive gains. So even though he was a, a dynamo in the mid-range game, both his completion and accuracy percentages were a few percentage points above the SEC average. It's just the other things like in the process metrics when he was not on, he was wasting stuff or putting it right into the defense's hands. So 13.4 interceptable pass rate in this area with over a fifth of his chances being uncatchable. 
uh, yeah, it's it's really really tough. It's really tough to maximize that stuff. Uh, as well, when you expand beyond 20 yards downfield, that's when it really got worse. So he might be a guy, a toolsy guy, you know, an athletic guy who can maybe win with extended plays with his legs or drive the ball deep downfield with arm strength, accuracy in that area of the field just has not manifested yet. Only a quarter of his deep attempts were accurate and caught, and 48% of them were uncatchable, while a fifth of them, yes, a fifth, 20% of his deep pass attempts last year had potential to be intercepted. That is just a massive, massive holdup, a massive red flag, and you can see why maybe perhaps taking him a minute to commit somewhere. Someone might just be a little hesitant to 100% give him the keys to the program. So what else about his resumes? Outside of the accuracy, you know, Dan Mullen did a fairly good job of uh, letting him be a game manager of sorts. Um he had a fairly good first down touchdown rate in SEC play. His success rate was right on par. Um, his uncatchable actually was right on par as well. Um, and his average up to target, actually when you slice it, was actually almost a yard above average. So he was a fairly above average operator with Dan Mullen, you know, guiding him. But it's just the fact, like I said, the interceptable was way too high and his explosive pass rate came in below average. It's really hard to win when your passing game is only giving you six, seven, eight yard gains all the time and you're not able to really get chunk explosives, you know, 20 yards or more, 30 yards or more field flippers that, you know, that really help produce scoring opportunities because that's what it's all about, folks. It's really tough to string together 12 play series time and time again. So even though he was okay at being methodical, most times when he was asked to try and go get an explosive gain, that's when the turnovers happen. Using play action, it really did help his Greece's bottom line, but it also accentuated the one thing that I said was the big drawback, and that's interceptable plays. So the SEC average interceptable pass rate while using play dropback play action this past season was 7.3. His was 11.5. So yes, his success rate was high. Half of these attempts resulted in a first down or a touchdown. His explosive pass rate increased to 15.4, but you know what? It, that was still below average. So, it, yes, it did help get him a little bit more potency, but at, at what cost? Also, his uncatchable pass rate was four points below average. He wasted more down-to-down -down than the average bear. When pressured, um, he wasn't necessarily the strongest guy. Um, this was the area where you can definitely see he got rattled. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to be nice here. So, his interceptable pass rate, while pressured on dropback situations, was 19.8, with an uncatchable pass rate of 47%, almost half. So think of if you put that all together, it, it doesn't leave a whole uh, big of a slice pie for good passes. So 47 plus 20, my gosh. So yeah, his accuracy percentage was only 33.3%, while pressured, that was below average, as was his first down touchdown rate at 23.5%. Um, just uh, not what you want to see. So he was actually pressured more than the average person. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to know when we're looking at his floor metrics here in a second that, yeah, pressure absolutely had a uh, negative effect on his profile. Almost a third of his dropbacks suffer from a form of pressure, but 
credit to his athleticism. Again, his toolsy skill set. This is one thing that really does help him shine. Um, his dropback sack rate was only 3.6, and only 11.1% of his pressures resulted in a true sack here. So that is a, a really, really good metric because that's 15 points below the SEC average. So, again, talking when you're stripping all this stuff away, the pressures, the, the play actions. So, you know, if the pressures have the inverse and the – Play actions have the positive influence. How does he still look? Well, yeah, it's fairly good. He has an above-average success rate, depth-adjusted accuracy, first-down touchdown rate, and you know he was riding a, a fairly par average depth of target and didn't suffer too many drops. So it's a, a fairly moderate uh, output, to say the least. It's just, again, you're putting the ball a little bit more into harm's way than you would like, and you're not getting as many explosive gains as you would like. Moving forward for him, yeah, he has to take better care of the football, and he has to find more confidence to find more consistency in throwing the ball downfield because it looks like he has the talent to drive the ball downfield. That's not the issue. The issue is just refining his timing and refining his precision. Number 14, Jack Plummer, Purdue to California. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people don't even know who Jack Plummer is. So, he is a guy coming from Purdue. He's heading to Cal. And if anyone's going to be the next Josh Allen, I think this guy has the potential to do so. He's 6'5". He throws with a wide base. He's got good mobility. He stands tall with pressure coming towards him. Uh, he's got kind of a long, elongated throwing motion, but he's got a nice wrist flick. Harry Rowan Gardner-esque from Rookie of the Year. He's not necessarily twitchy, but he can absolutely make Defense is paying the scrambling game. Unfortunately, his tools have not translated to the best downfield results, as we'll talk here in a second. And his scheme that he's coming from, from Purdue, it was overly a air raid scheme that really wanted to focus towards the line of scrimmage. He didn't really press downfield a whole lot. And again, there is some evidence to why they didn't necessarily explore that avenue as much as they potentially could. So... With him focusing towards the line of scrimmage a whole lot, he had a 7.5 average depth of target in his sample. That is the lowest of the group. His accuracy percentage, though, of 65.6 was able to be padded, as well as his depth-adjusted accuracy just because of the pure volume of the short stuff. So his down-to-down -down results are a little middling. And again, with the toolsy guys, sometimes the stats, you kind of have to ignore them and just really focus on their situational returns because... Traits don't necessarily always pass the test of the statistics, but they certainly do get those eyeballs bulging. Like I said, he's very Josh Allen-esque, so that's a very tantalizing thing to throw out there. You know, Josh Allen truly was an outlier, and if this guy is going to uh, make a name for himself come draft season next year, it's definitely going to become on his deep passing game and opportunities downfield. So when you're isolating that stuff, his deep accuracy was 5 points above the SEC average, and his uncatchable pass rate was 20 points below average. So, yes, he throws a very catchable and uh, well-rounded deep ball. It's just still not the elite territory for ball placement because even though he does throw a catchable ball, he still gives the defenses equal opportunity to intercept it. His interceptable pass rate beyond 20 yards downfield in his sample here was a 33.3. Yikes. So, um, yes, you do like that his mid-range, his accuracy remains firm, but you just definitely do not like that, again, the interceptable passes come in there. So, 
it's really, really frustrating when it looks like you have the tools, but you are unable to take advantage of deep shots. So he seems to be a guy that kind of needed play action to feel more confident as well. Um, like some of our other passers, like when we strip away and we look at his floor metrics, his explosive pass rate is half of his interceptable pass rate in those circumstances. So even though his success rate, depth-adjusted accuracy, first down touchdown rate, uncatchable, all that stuff is uh, fairly moderate to projecting to be a, a you know good results. It's just that risk-reward aspect without deception when he's just asked to throw is way, way too high. And that's basically boiling down to his inconsistent deep passing game, keeping the ball out of harm's way. Um, so... The other side of the tools he thinks, what can he do as a mover, right? So uh, when he's pressured, yeah, his dropback uh, sack conversion rate was just as good as Emory Jones, but his dropback sack rate, you know, how many sacks he actually took at 2.9 was basically a third of what the SEC average was. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, you know, even though, yeah, we always say pressured numbers are never, ever as good as someone's clean numbers. His returns were relatively fantastic. His first down touchdown rate when pressured was four points above the SEC average, and his dropback accuracy was six points above average. But um, the big hang-up, again, interceptable passes. A sixth of these bad boys had potential to result in a turnover. Not what you want uh, whatsoever. So moving forward for him, yeah, he's got to show he can take care of business without guises because like the guises, they did help pr produce a better depth-adjusted accuracy, 60 4.1% using drop back play action with an explosive pass rate of 18.2. Uh, pretty good stuff and only 12.1 uh, uncatchable. That's half what the average is, so very, very good. And the interceptables, again, on the lower side, it's just, I mean, without that stuff, yeah, I'm definitely uh, pumping the brakes just a little bit. But because of his just natural physique and ability, it's easy to like what he can bring to the table long term. Number 13, Jaden Delora, Washington State to Arizona. Jaden Delora is next. Now, he is not as sexy as some of these previous passers, but he is overly what you see is what you get. He did not use screens, RPOs, uh, play actions a whole lot at Washington State. It was basically a whole lot of dropback stuff from spread sets, so he was isolated as a passer plenty. Now, his operation was kind of, uh, let's just say, uh, vanilla. I mean, he doesn't have great size. He's only uh, six foot 190. And to be honest, he really did hone in on a good amount of short outbreakers, particularly to the short right. So really little uh, air distance on those types of throws generally. But look, even though he doesn't necessarily have the – the best traits in the world, the best tools in the world. He does prove to be a competent passer and a guy that can buoy an offense potentially because he knows how to take care of business down to down. So, um, you know, end of the day, 9.4 average depth of target. It's relatively average, so that's not the end of the world. Uh, but uh, basically a 63% accuracy percentage above average, as is his 52.6 depth adjusted Accuracy. So when we're looking at his 10-plus yards downfield, this is really buoyed by his mid-range stuff. So I really was not impressed with his downfield offerings in terms of deep passing. Um, he had a very noticeable lack of vertical drive on his profile, on his resume in these games, but he had pretty good intermediate zip. Hell, one of his most 
impressive throws on his resume was one of his first ones against Oregon where he fit the ball between the cover two turkey hole, you know, between the deep half safety and the corner playing close to the line of scrimmage. So he hit a very nice pass there. So he has a few of those on his resume, but even though he's good outside the pocket, I mean, when you're that type of stature, you know, six foot 190, not a stalwart by any means, peering over the line of scrimmage, you kind of have to facilitate your passing lanes by being on the move and using your legs. Well, good thing is he's relatively good outside of the pocket. About 14% of his attempts were outside the pocket, and he had a 66.5 depth-adjusted accuracy uh, with only a 4% interceptable pass rate. So he was not putting this in the harm's way while he had a 55.6 success rate and 44.4 first down touchdown rate. You've got to like that type of stuff inside the pocket, you know, isolating him without the guises, you know, like I said, since he doesn't have a whole lot of uh, that type of stuff on his resume, is basically just peeling away the pressure stuff. Um, he projects to be a, a fairly average passer. There is just some concerns because of his... Um, inability to lead guys open vertically that is his explosiveness without guises is a little bit to be concerning so that's the one thing that's truly below average that i would be concerned about and because of how his uh deep ball kind of uh has a limit for lack of better terms his depth adjusted accuracy though still good at 50.3 it's it's above the 50 percent threshold that's kind of what you want it's still below average by about five percent he isn't perfect Throwing downfield, like I aforementioned, um, his mid-range numbers are indeed strong on a down-to-down -down basis. You know, he has a 58.3 completion percentage and a 53% accuracy percentage, both significantly above the uh, SEC average, but he still wastes a good amount of tries, 31% uncatchable, 14% interceptable, both well into the danger zones in those uh, respects. And then when you look at uh, the 20-plus downfield, even though he's right on the average in terms of the results, 17.4 interceptable pass rates. It says a whole lot that, like uh, some of these other passers, they just cannot consistently keep the ball out of harm's way when they are dialing up downfield, whether it is because of uh, underwhelming arm talent or just raw accuracy or just gung-ho decision-making, whatever it is. But to his credit, even though he's an undersized guy, um, he's fairly good against pressure. I mean, his first down touchdown rate is like 10 points above the average, and everything else was basically average with the exception of his interceptable pass rate. That was well above average, uh, under 5% here. So he doesn't push the ball in the harm's way when he's pressured. He's very savvy about that. It's just, you know, sometimes some of his passes get away from him. He gets he had a, a decent amount of hit and throws, um, contested attempts. Luck wasn't on his side, but that's still on him to test those types of windows and have poor timing, for you know, in that sense. He takes a lot of sacks, even though he has, you know, he has to depend on his legs. And he was hardly pressured at all. A uh, very low pressure rate, very low sack rate, but when pressures were there, nearly 40% of them resulted in a sack. So that's not what you like to see for mobile guys. You like to see them be able to obviously make plays there in those instances. And speaking to his tight window type of mentality, um, this is when his, his turnover-worthy plays really increased 11% in this instance with a success rate less than 32% a completion percentage less than 40%. And this basically accounted for a fifth of his profile. So, I mean, this was a very sizable chunk right there, targeting tight windows, and he just was not good whatsoever. So, again, it's the 
not the ideal vertical zip, but he has enough in the mid-range game to get you by. And since he's a little bit more consistent, that's where I'm going to drop him off at this point. Number 12, Michael Penix Jr., Indiana to Washington. Now, why is Michael Penix so high on this list, a guy who is suffering from injuries, a guy who doesn't really have good traditional stats, a guy whose overall advanced metrics are a little bit middling? Why is he in the top dozen? Well, this poor sucker had to suffer from one of the worst pressure rates I have seen from a quarterback in a sample. So when you're measuring dropback pressure rates, we already mentioned some other people above the 40%. His was just at that threshold as well. And despite being so high, he has the lowest dropback sack conversion rate and a dropback sack rate under 3%. Okay, so fantastic. Sure, pressure absolutely affected him though. Even though he was avoiding sacks, he wasn't moving backwards a whole lot. Um, almost half of his pressure dropbacks, and these are 68 attempts across his profile. So it was a sizable chunk, folks. We're uncatchable. 13.2 were interceptable, and both his accuracy and first down touchdown weight were significantly below average. Um, so yes, this absolutely affected his profile. So you would like to think if he's going to be in a new environment with a better, stronger line, he would be uh, pretty good. But again, we have to measure how was he without those types of influences. Flip side, He's another one of these quarterbacks that saw a lot of gains with play action. He had an above-average success rate. Accuracy percentage was just under 70%. That's incredible. Six, uh, depth adjusted accuracy just under 60%. Um, above-average first down touchdown rate and everything else, right what you like to see, especially the interceptable pass rate, 4% on a very, very good rate of return there. So when you're stripping that away, you know that's a positive influence with the pressure dropback stuff being a negative influence. It balanced out to be somewhat concerning in terms of the result-based metrics. But again, result-based metrics, they're still very team-based. So first down touchdown rate, six, six to seven points below the SEC average. Success rate, about six points below the SEC average. But when you look at the one thing that tremendously stands out and that just screams that his degree of difficulty was absolutely off the charts and the stuff he had to deal with, even when we're taking away all those pressures with all those broken blocks, we have to account for a ridiculously high 18% drop rate in clean dropback non-play action attempts when he's inside the pocket. So this is within structure, within rhythm. He's throwing his guys. He's overly accurate. 59.2 depth adjusted accuracy. 10% uncatchable. So if we were to look at his overall sample, 24.2 uncatchable pass rate. One of the highest in the group. But when you look at that stat in this instance, 10.1. Fan fantastic fantastic above average clip it's just gosh 18 percent drop rate really did hurt the down to down results so you gotta like to think that his um, process is fine as long as he can continue to be this consistent in structure without people barreling towards him he should be fine now going in i had some skepticism on his arm talent I was happy to see that his arm is actually above average. He he was not afraid to lead guys open vertically downfield. So 
that is another reason why I have him high on this list. Now, he is a lefty. A lot of people get a little apprehensive of left-handed quarterbacks. You know, that's not a knock on why I had Dylan Gabriel lower before, but it is something to be said. He is a crafty passer that aims to well-time passes on a line. So like, he likes to throw things on a zip, you know what I mean? He doesn't have a lot of touch to his game, but like that zip does allow him to lead guys open. Even though his arm isn't necessarily next level, it is not a liability in my opinion. So um, I gave him the benefit of the doubt on how he likes to time up attacking t contested tight windows with back shoulders and stuff. So, like, that's what I mean by, like, crafty. It, 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 he had to uh, be on the same page as his receivers quite often. Now, some of this did result in some jump balls, but overly I gave him the benefit of the doubt, like I said. So, um, he did have a bad uncatchable pass rate because of the pressure. And that, I mean, just look at his uh, last three games in his sample. Um, he had a sub-50% completion percentage in the three games from this past season with two touchdowns and seven interceptions. That type of inefficiency is a tremendous, uh, scary type of thing to have, and it's a, you know, it's a big reason why he's no longer in Indiana. Number 11, Zach Calzada, Texas A&M to Auburn. Zach Calzada is a toolsy quarterback who has a decent amount of upside in my eyes. Now, his down-to-down accuracy is not ideal. No doubt about it. But when you do the exercise of applying more weight, the further a pass travels downfield with depth-adjusted accuracy, he was one of the SEC's best performers in the conference. Of course, everyone wants to point to that Alabama game, and no doubt when you do the splits of uh, the games with and without that, it is a completely different type of thing in terms of efficiency. But I really do like his high-end potential. Looking at what he can offer in terms of down-to-down -down results, he became in below average because like our previous guy, he suffered from a decent amount of drops. No other SEC passer in SEC play had as high as a drop rate as Zach Cazada's 14.1 clip. It was basically 5.5 points above the average. It was terrible. Uh, so, obviously, things like success rate, first down touchdown rate, um, explosive pass rate that were just above average to below average. And you can see if, you know, if that was cut in half or at least at average, how you can see how his down-to-down -down numbers would be much, much better. I'm a big believer in him. But, of course, like I said, the big drawback is the down-to-down -down accuracy. Over a fifth of his attempts uh, against SEC defenses were uncatchable. And looking at his, you know, deep completion numbers, you know, mid-range completion numbers, the basic stuff, below average. But when you look at his process, his accuracy, very nice. Like I said, when you're applying weight, the further passes go downfield. And we're just now isolating the 20-yard or more passes, the deep passes. His 40% clip was second best in the SEC. And his 56.6 mid-range number was fourth best in the SEC. Moreover, his uh, interceptable pass rates in both respects fell below the average. It was just a little bit of um, either his guy was getting it or no one was getting it on 10-plus yard passes. And, of course, even though uh, Jimbo Fisher is known as a pretty good quarterback guru, he does not go out of his way to give his guys guises. Very little RPOs, very little screens, very little play actions relative to other SEC passers. So what we saw was what we basically got in terms of operation. 
And, you know, a big knock on Mr. Calzada being a very green passer in his own right, you know, very inexperienced, thrusted in there in the middle of the season to be a stop bet guy. He was not the most sound guy against pressure. Um, he had a below average uncatchable pass rate, a below average accuracy percentage, and a below average first down touchdown rate. But the thing is, he generally did not throw the ball in the harm's way. Only a 6.6 interceptable pass rate. The average was about 10. He was pressured on a third of his pressured dropback. So he only suffered a sack on 6% of these attempts. And his dropback sack conversion rate was the fifth best in the SEC. So again, Toolsy, you know he's able to throw the ball downfield with poise, with accuracy. You know that he's able to not move backwards at least to a detrimental amount. He can at least make some plays with his legs when healthy. Now, again, when we're trying to see his floor, we're trying to, you know, see what he can do without pressure, without play action, even though he didn't use a whole lot. Yes, his down-to-down stuff still really, really suffers. And get a load of this statistic. Against SEC defenses, in clean, drop-back, non-play action passes inside the pocket, 21% of Zach Calzada's passes were dropped. Do you think that affects his perception as a passer if, you know, half of those are caught? I sure as hell do. I think he's going to be a pretty good situation at Auburn. You know, Auburn, they themselves, and Bo Nix, um, this is not necessarily the most uh, sustainable, safe, non-volatile environment. You know, they themselves dropped a lot of passes. They allowed a certain amount of pressure. But at least Zach Calzada, he's now experienced to deal with it. Now, I don't think he should suffer a 21% drop rate against SEC uh, opponents this year, but that remains to be seen. That's not hardly on him so much. Um, His depth-adjusted accuracy is right where you want at the SEC average, as is his interceptable pass rate here. So you got to like how his process is at least fine enough to buy low on this kid, and I'm absolutely going to buy low on him. Moving forward, assuming he can keep the ball out of harm's way, you know, limit those turnover-worthy passes, I think playing in a new scheme, he should see a little bit more potency and a little bit more bump on the bottom line thanks to getting rid of those dropped passes. Number 10, JT Daniels, Georgia to West Virginia. So I have never been a JT Daniels fan, but I have to give him some props here. He does have a decent amount of upside for where he's going to go. He's going to West Virginia. He's always been a passer that has been comfortable facilitating, distributing, playing in that West Coast style of offense where he can diagnose pre-snap, get the ball out quick, and attack space. So when he was at USC, that's overly where he found his best results. Now, he did have vertical gains. Don't get me wrong. He attacked at about an average amount, but I am not a fan of his arm whatsoever. Um, He has a high-arcing deep ball. Sure, when it's in rhythm and it's well-timed, they can be pretty, but often than not, like, uh, like I mentioned with a few other passers, when it's a little late, it allows defenders to recover and make a stab at the ball and typically make your receiver adjust to the ball or have to high point and win a contest. And that's not what we want. I am not a big fan of his downfield offerings, and he's coming off a season where we don't know exactly how he is mentally, how he is physically, how he's going to perform. But I do like the offense he's going to go in. It's going to be a rinky-dink air raid that can really allow him to lean into his strengths and getting the ball out quick. 
while still having ability to take the top off the defense if they look towards the line of scrimmage. So it's not like he's completely worthless attacking deep. I mean, he did lead the SEC in yards per attempt and explosive pass rate in 2020 because of how he was able to find guys. He throws a catchable deep ball. It's just not an overly elite accuracy in my opinion. So looking at Mr. Daniels, you know, like I said, he's coming off a year where he was coddled. Um, very high screen RPO rate last year. Basically 36% of his passes uh, met that criteria. And when you throw on his 23% play action rate, yeah, he was hit a whole lot. Again, when he was playing hurt, they really couldn't do a whole lot. 36% of his passes targeted behind the line of scrimmage. And only 5% traveled beyond 20 yards downfield. In 2020, he led the SEC in average depth of target. A complete about face. So again, there is some questions on what he can bring. His one whole season as a starter at USC as a freshman, he was one of the least valuable starters in the country per pro football focus. And when I charted him, yeah, he basically presented to be a pretty decent, moderate option, down to down, attacking underneath, but the concerns throwing deep remained. When we're looking at his overall sample, he is a fairly efficient guy. He knows how to run an offense and get consistent gains. His career at UGA, he had a 41.1 first down touchdown rate. That's five points above the SEC average this past season. Um, his success rate, two points above average. His explosive pass rate, about four points above average. But the concerns I've always had with him has been his process. So, High-end accuracy and not throwing the ball into harm's way, you know, with your lackluster placement. So, back-to-back -back years, his interceptable pass rate has hit 7%. That's well into the danger zone. Um, his depth-adjusted accuracy, though better this year because he was able to beat up on Vanderbilt in some uh, crappy defenses, it was uh, near 50%, but throughout his tenure at Georgia, it was below 43%, and that's five points below average definitely a concern even though yes he does throw a catchable ball i do have my concerns there speaking to how he was able to get completions in 2020 again we're not going to talk too much about his 2021 but because it was just so wonky in terms of just like rinky dinky stuff that you really can't put too much weight in he completed 44 percent of his deep passes but only 22.2 were accurate 22.2 were uncatchable. So he was just as likely to throw an accurate pass as an uncatchable pass, but he was twice as likely as both of those to get a completion. So that just tells you how much his guys were able to go out of his way. So he had a lot of yardage from what I like to call created receptions. That's where receivers kind of go above and beyond their normal means, winning a contest, attacking along the sidelines, winning a diving catch, you know, that type of thing. He had a, like the SEC's third most despite playing in like four or five games. So that should just say uh, enough there. So play action did help deliver some explosiveness for him, but even though he was greased in that respect, his clean dropback numbers inside of structure are just fine. Um, this past season, he's coming off a 58 percent first down touchdown rate in a 64 percent success rate in floor passing situations but below average explosiveness again a below average interceptable pass rates it's just a matter of can he consistently understanding what he sees and being able to distribute the ball adequately i have no issue with him running an offense i just don't i am not the biggest fan of his arm but i can't deny the fact he's probably going to be pretty impactful for west virginia now 
under pressure. He's been a fairly decent guy, avoiding sacks, throwing the ball away, not moving backwards too much. Uh, both years, his dropback sack conversion rates were below average, and his dropback sack rates were a fairly average to below average. Just you know, playing behind one of the best lines in terms of preventing pressure in Georgia back-to-back -back seasons, he's had a uh, pressure rate under 17%. So he is used to operating behind a bubble, not being pestered too much, but no doubt about it that his results are fairly middling to uh, unreliable when he is pressured. He is much, much better in structure. So moving forward, yes, I do have my concerns. I'm not the biggest fan of his game, but I'm not going to deny the fact that he should be able to be a very good down-to-down -down option for West Virginia and potentially play himself into the NFL Draft's second day. Number nine, Max Johnson, Louisiana State University to Texas A&M. I'm not the biggest Max Johnson fan. In fact, we're at the phase of the list where you could probably label him as the first overrated player in the rankings here. At least analytically speaking, he does not jump off the page whatsoever. But he's coming off a season where he has pretty decent counting statistics. Over 2,800 yards to the air and a 4-1 to one touchdown interception ratio but like I said when we want to isolate him by SEC standards his success rate has never finished better than ninth in the conference his depth adjusted accuracy has never finished better than eighth in the conference his first down touchdown rate has never finished better than tenth in the conference his explosive pass rate has never finished better than ninth in the conference his uncatchable pass rate has also never finished better than ninth in the conference so you get the idea he has never been close to sniffing good to elite statistics in SEC play even though yes he is young he was kind of thrust in there it has become apparent that he might not have the physical tools to overly uh, manifest a great career now this really does bleed through on his deep passing numbers the last two seasons he has finished well into the uh, double digits in completion percentage. And even though his catchability has improved year over year, so has his interceptable passes. Mid-range was one of the big things that um, shined through during his first year, but that just really didn't necessarily progress as you would have liked as a sophomore. And uh, at the end of the day, his ability to avoid sacks just completely withered. I mean, he's a guy who has shown to be pretty good outside of the pocket on play-action bootlegs, but uh, when trying to avoid pressure by his own means, he just was not special whatsoever, negating sacks. This past season, 47% of his dropback pressures resulted in a sack. His dropback sack rate was 14.3. Of course, both well over the SEC average. In terms of delivering uncatchable and accurate passes, both generally below average. So he just was not special whatsoever. Now, his best figures came when he was getting rid of the ball in under two seconds or less. So um, looking at by SEC standards where he rated in the SEC, he had the third best raw accuracy percentage on pure dropbacks when average time to throw was two seconds or less at 74.4%. Second best adjusted completion percentage at uh, just under 82%. Now, his average depth of target was a little low, sure, 7.3, but it was the sixth, and that was on the above average considering the time constraints. So 
His success rate, however, was only 10th, and that was because his drop rate on these plays was 15.5%. That was the worst. Also, 12.7 DB breakup rate. That was bottom five in the conference. So, um, sure, it did help him find gains. Once he had his mind made up what he was going to go with the ball, it worked out. But there were other instances where it delivered high passes, contested passes, interceptable passes. So, like I said, his ability to negate sacks year over year definitely regressed. When we need to evaluate his floor passing, it's still nothing too special because of his lackluster arm talent. So, he's one of the type of guys where, yeah, he's a finesse touch passer a timing passer he very rarely can lead guys vertically open a lot of his deep balls result in uh, jump balls contest back shoulder type of opportunities um sure he can throw deep posts a decent amount uh fades on the outside however are usually the ones that have some difficulty or are just a little bit off the mark so his depth-adjusted accuracy is just a little bit below average, and his result-based metrics are substantially below average. Um, even though he did suffer from drop rates in certain situations, in these, he actually had one that came in above average, so that cannot be a, a, an excuse. His um, explosiveness was just middling, uh, under 6%. It equaled his interceptable pass rate, so he just looked like a, a lukewarm passer. So you might be saying, Clark, why is he so high in this list? I just think he's the type of cerebral passer to come along with Jimbo Fisher's tutelage. Now, this is assuming he wins the starting job. Um, if he doesn't win the starting job, of course, you'll see, I mean, the statistics bear out why. He just wasn't good enough. But I think he is a developing quarterback in the sense where he might not be a guy that can overly win vertically. He can be like Teddy Bridgewater and be an elite horizontal type of quarterback. So... He is still a mobile guy. We saw that in the spring game. He can bring some value with his legs. It's just, can he stop taking so many freaking sacks, and can he improve his down-to-down precision? Number eight, Connor Basilak, Missouri to Indiana. So I'm also not the biggest Connor Basilak fan. So he operated a horizontal type of scheme at Missouri a lot of curl flats floods bootlegs things of that sort his deep passing game was facilitated by flea flickers razzmatazz reverse throwbacks you know a lot of fun stuff don't get me wrong but he just never really showed that he could take care of business delivering accurate downfield passes there are flashes on his tape but um, throughout his career at Missouri Back-to-back years, his deep accuracy percentage finished below 28%. That is six points below the SEC average this past season. His combined career completion percentage targeting 20 yards or more downfield was eight points below the SEC average this past season. And back-to-back seasons, 22.7% of his deep passes were deemed interceptable. Of course, that is well, well over the SEC average. 
Also, his mid-range passing game completely deteriorated. So even though the deep passing game was never a strong suit, his mid-range game, which showed some promise, completely fell apart. His mid-range completion percentage soured almost 20 points year over year. Same with his accuracy percentage. His uncatchable, a dozen points. And his interceptable, the big boo-boo, 22% this past season, despite being 6.5 the year prior. So think about it this past season. Over a fifth of his passes beyond 10 yards downfield had turnover-worthy potential. Um, yeah, I mean, you can say that's a big reason why he's overrated on this list right now. Now, the hope is to get back to what he was in 2020 and try and build off of that base because when you look at him this past season, he absolutely was one of these chicken crap quarterbacks against pressure. So, uh, once again, back-to-back season, interceptable pass rate over 14%, um, accuracy percentage uh, middling at best, with middling results, but just throwing too many passes into harm's way. Now, the one thing that was always on his side was his great footwork, his great savvy, his great pocket movement skills, because he is pretty good at avoiding sacks, and he has been that back-to-back season. Last year, Missouri's line was a little bit better at preventing pressure, which is pretty impressive considering the all-SEC slate that season. You know, the SEC is full of pretty good defenses, I like to think. But this past season, 36% of his dropbacks featured a form of pressure. That was the 12th worst in the conference. Only 4.5% sack rate this year. And in his career, 3.7. Five points below the SEC average. A great sign of his ability and his environment to, you know, negate moving backwards and trying to stay on track. Because when you look at his dropback sack conversion rate, back-to-back years, under 13%. That's basically half of what the SEC average has been so very very good at um, negating pressure when it does come in his face now his floor passing in general it's very lukewarm just like in general his arm talent it's fine it's nothing special now he does have good deep balls some of them are underthrown some are on the wrong shoulder some are just mistimed Um, sometimes he likes to force passes over the middle sometimes he gets batted balls Um, you know sometimes it's on the wrong hip on a shallow whatever it is He just is a little unrefined right now, but I think he's a fairly good decision maker if he's not, you know, trying to press. So when we're looking at his floor passing metrics, it is really right on par with SEC averages, but in terms of results, it's just his process, um, his interceptable, depth-adjusted accuracy, a little bit below average, but everything else right on par. So with the new environment, you would like to think he's going to take some type of leap. Number seven, Bo Nix, Auburn to Oregon. Yes, Bo Nix is another one of these guys you could say is a little bit overrated just because he is a highly scrutinized guy who has disappointed so far in college, but he's had three different play callers in just as many seasons. Well, he's just about to have his fourth heading to Oregon. But since he is a toolsy quarterback, statistics might not be the best representation of what he can bring and what he can ultimately become. Now, he has a pretty good arm. He's pretty mobile. We know all those YOLO plays, those backyard balls, those extended opportunities that he has provided, both seeing ghost rushers or when plays truly do break down. It is a trait that has been consistent across his tenure on the planes. Now, speaking to what his 
toolsy arm can do, his deep accuracy, has been fairly good during his time as a Tiger. Um, two out of three seasons, both his completion and accuracy percentage topped 40%. That is fantastic. It's just the year in 2020, he had career lows in both respects, and it really did hurt his profile. His overall career numbers really look favorably. So above average accuracy, above average uh, uncatchable, above average interceptable in that era of the field. But his first two years, the Gus Malzahn offense, as most people know, uh, focusing on the mid-range game, especially towards in-breakers, towards the middle of the field, just was not its specialty. Very little accuracy, efficiency, very little completions, just a little bang for buck with a high degree of interceptable passes in that area of the field. But he's coming off a season where Bo Nix looks like he has had an epiphany finding efficiency in the mid-range game. Almost a 61% completion percentage, almost a 59% accuracy percentage with a top three interceptable catch rate and none of the SEC passers this past season against SEC defenses throwing mid-range passes had a preferable uncatchable pass rate. Bo Nix was giving his guys chances and absolutely leading the standard for being probably the premier mid-range passer from the conference this past season. His overall profile will not reflect that, but if you're going to try and look for silver linings in his game, that is absolutely one of them. As is his performance under pressure. So the first two seasons, he, um, even though he was a, a pretty good magician in certain instances, he was a, a fairly average cat at taking uh, sacks per pressure opportunity and taking sacks in general in terms of just dropback sack rate. This past season, his dropback sack rate uh, was basically sliced in half from his freshman and sophomore average. Um, and his 4% dropback sack rate was the second best in SEC play. Not too shabby whatsoever. And looking at his uncatchable pass rate when pressured this past season at 30.6, no SEC passer was better. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Top five interceptable pass rate as well with top three accuracy and a top three first down touchdown rate. His play under pressure is just showing he... You know, the game is starting to slow down for him. It might, you know, he still plays like a chicken with his head cut off on occasion, but it definitely looks like that unstable, that volatile environment has become a little bit more commonplace for him to where he can find relatively fine results. Looking at him in structure, he still leaves a little bit to be desired. So this past season, he really did focus on just like taking what the defense gave him in these instances. He only had a modest 4.4 explosive pass rate in clean dropback, non-play action opportunities inside the pocket in SEC play. Uh, I think it was the worst or second to worst, only Will Rogers probably worse in that regard. But it still allowed him to show year-over-year -year gains in accuracy and success rate and interceptable pass rate and uncatchable pass rate. So he was really hindered by drops. 13% of these attempts were dropped. But yeah, year over year, his average depth of target basically shrunk in these instances by two yards. So it really does emphasize how much he was just trying to play conservatively, not try and do too much, not try and press. Now, that 
in itself can be a red flag that he knows his limitations as a passer, someone who couldn't live and die on uh, downfield passes, or it could just be a reflection of, I don't trust my receivers to win downfield. I'm just going to go ahead and take our victory right now. In general, I do think that his traits in his new environment would be good. I still have a, a decent amount of skepticisms in his long-term offerings, but I don't think that he's a necessarily complete liability to write off at this point in time. Number six, Keaton Slovis, USC to Pittsburgh. So Keaton Slovis, so he burst onto the scene being one of the most accurate passers in college football. You flash forward a few years later, and he just really could struggle to uh, make the plays that mattered. And, uh, of course, uh, ball placement was not what it used to be. So, of course, this is another prime candidate for saying potentially overrated territory, but um, yeah, there's just a certain drop-off among the quarterbacks, but I have him here based on his experience, essentially. I think he'll have a pretty good impact at Pitt. He has pretty good results throwing the ball downfield, but we'll talk in a second how his process might not be necessarily the most uh, sturdy of these quarterbacks. So, you know, yeah, like I said, he burst on the scene being one of the most accurate passers in college football. He had a 72% completion percentage, tossed for 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, uh, just under a nine yards per attempt. But, the, you know, during the COVID season, he just was not the same. And, of course, this past season, more and more risky throws and regression with ball placement. So across his sample, his overall numbers project basically – an average quarterback in terms of success rate, depth-adjusted accuracy, first down touchdown rate, explosiveness, and average depth of target. But he has a little bit below average in terms of interceptable and uncatchable pass rate. So that is one major red flag. So, you know, it's one thing to, you know, waste passes, but it's another thing to waste passes and have a little bit more of a tendency to toss the ball to secondaries. So 23.3% of his overall attempts were uncatchable. So right there on the red flag, we say that's way too much for a guy who's supposed to have a reputation for being a precise passer. Moreover, um, during his sample, Mr. Slovis really did target short. Almost two-thirds of his attempts in his sample targeted less than 10 yards downfield and it resulted in him having an 8.2 average depth of target, which was one of the lowest in the group. Despite that, he was not able to take advantage and pad his accuracy figures. It was a very middling, middling performance, both depth adjusted and raw. So, yeah, I mean, he just really does not stand out in this sense. But um, when you do isolate his passes beyond 10 yards downfield, even though they were very seldom, they were not really a good part of his makeup, 20 yards or more downfield. His 52% um, completion percentage uh, would have tracked to be the second best in the SEC this season. Um, it was 14 points above the average. So, like, in both years, his completion top 50% throwing 20 yards or more downfield. Um, but, of course, when I like to look at his process metrics, they were a little bit more closer towards the average at 34% for accuracy and 38% for uncatchable. I mean, yeah, they're right at the par for an average SEC passer did. So nothing special 
whatsoever. And that basically tracks with his mid-range stuff as well. That stuff, however, it kind of flips to where his completion percentage was more closer to par and his process accuracy 56.4 percent was exactly six points higher than the mean it would have been the third best in the sec over this past season so even though it wasn't a big part of his game the mid-range definitely looked to be a nice well of good completions however when you see that he's another one of these quarterbacks with a double digit interceptable pass rate on both mid-range and deep attempts it really is a concern again when you double back and you know that his 7.3 overall clip is well into the danger zone you know it has to occur somewhere so that is definitely one of the sources so um you know um, he had a lot of unlucky breaks. Um, I caught 13 batted balls across his five-game sample. That's that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot. I mean, um, some of that can be circumstantial, but some of it can be from poor release points or just bad timing. So, um, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, and of course, that is apparent with how he only has kind of middling downfield accuracy. He doesn't necessarily lead guys open vertically. He is a back shoulder guy. He isn't a nibbler, but it's just not the best arm. He kind of throws a wobbler in some instances, kind of like Peyton Manning. And uh, that is, uh, you know, say what you want about that. But, yeah, he really does focus on this air raid type of scheme where it was a lot of sticks, um, some shallow curls, um, and then some all birds and Yankee shots as well on the seldom deep shots. But, I think he has underrated escapability. That's another reason why I'm kind of having him up here in, a, in addition to his experience and his ability to work the mid-range, um, at least find some accuracy. I'm hoping he can curb the interceptable stuff, but his sack rate and escapability only tracks to be kind of average, but when you think of Keaton Slovis as being a pocket passer, you don't necessarily think him being on the bright side, you know. Like when I mentioned Jaden Daniels earlier, he's a scrambler who takes a lot of sacks. Jared Dogie, of course, he's a pocket passer who takes sacks. So, like, this is kind of the balance between the two scenarios. So, um, in general, yeah, he, he suffered a, a, a pressure on a third of his true dropbacks. And, unfortunately, like, he was just a guy who wasted a lot of chances during these um, opportunities. 49.1 uncatchable pass rate, but luckily his interceptable pass rate finished at least average you know mediocre he wasn't terrible at throwing things into harm's way but don't get me wrong it was still relatively bad at 9.4 you know that's right around the average but you know a third of his passes were accurate and you know under a quarter resulted in a first down touchdown so below average results there you know pocket passes you got to be able to stand tall and do something about it it seems like he is not the passer to do so so how is he within structure, you ask? Okay, in terms of the results, process remains to be kind of a concern. So success rate, first down touchdown rate, explosive pass rate, all of that stuff well above the SEC average tracking against his hardest opponents here. But his depth-adjusted accuracy, his interceptable pass rate, his uncatchable pass rate, all below average. In fact, his 10% interceptable pass rate would have tracked to be one of the worst in the SEC. And that's mo mostly because of his 2021 games that had nearly a 14% clip in clean dropback, non-play action inside the pocket attempts. So um, that's what have you done for me lately? 
And if you know that uh, one of his main receivers is uh, being tempted into the portal, that it does not make his prospects look too good. So he is not necessarily a you know the biggest athlete in the world. Again, like I said he has underrated escapability, but when he's outside the pocket, he truly is nothing special. 44 depth adjusted accuracy, 14% explosive. Sure, that's okay. But uh, relative to his down-to-down stuff, they are drags on his uh, profile. So moving forward for him, he's absolutely got to uh, continue to find explosive gains, um, show that he can take care of business on throws 10-plus yards downfield at good volume. You know, just don't do it in prudent spots uh, like Alex Smith. you got to make it a part of your game to really woo people over. Um, even if you don't have the best arm in the world, you can show you're a mid-range magician. A lot of people can make a living that way. But still, the fact that he throws the ball in the harm's way and that his accuracy has regressed three straight years are certainly holdups. Number five, Cameron Ward, Incarnate Word to Washington State. So Cameron Ward could be another one of these quote-unquote overrated candidates because he's coming from Incarnate Word and not a whole lot of people are aware of his talent so he's gonna be playing at washington state he's coming from a scheme that liked verticals you know they did some stack stuff uh, some switch some you know janky tunnels like josh heupel's scheme at tennessee but it was a pretty fun scheme all else considered very wide open sometimes empty um it, it invited pressure and some sacks taken at an average rate but um, really fun to watch. The furthest that I tracked a pass of his was 54 yards downfield. And this is a guy who likes to do deep set pockets, kind of like Patrick Mahomes. So um, he can let a rip. He's got a lot. He's got a live arm on occasion, you know, on RPO games, he can get the ball out quick. He can do the hot potato stuff, but his overall release is kind of wonky. He holds the ball kind of by his belt on deep throws. Sometimes he likes to just use his upper body and, you know, he's got an upright sidearm on occasion, but he kind of makes it work, but yeah, looking at his top in precision, no matter what area of the field you look at, it's just not overly strong. So overall, his depth adjusted accuracy is under 42%. That's seven points below average. His uncatchable pass rate is just around 22%. You know, that's about three to four points below average. But the thing is, he's not throwing the ball into harm's way. His interceptable pass rate was only 4%, and his success rate, first down touchdown rate, and explosive pass rate all tracked to be on a good side of an SEC average. So even though he had a live arm, unfortunately, he did not necessarily gobble up a good resume of 10-plus yard passes. So he only had a 27% deep accuracy percentage, and he only had a 38% mid-range accuracy percentage. They, that, that's 5 and 13 percentage points below average. And um, even though his interceptable pass rate wasn't necessarily a major liability, you know, it tracked right at the SEC average at 13.5%. As you can imagine with the number I just told you, this was where a good amount of his boo-boos occurred. And over half of his deep balls were just straight-up uncatchable, just like over a third of his mid-range passes followed suit. So, yeah, that's way too many wasted passes, way too many inaccurate attempts on these valuable throws. So he might not overly be putting the ball in the harm's way. It's just 
gosh, you would like to give his guy a little bit more of a stab at it. So, like I mentioned earlier, he's he's okay at getting rid of pressure, dealing with pressure. He had a drop back uh, pressure rate about 32%. That's on the high side, but his drop back sack rate at 7.5 was a little bit below average, as was his sack conversion rate at 23.5%, about five points below the SEC average. So you got to like that. And this is another thing that's really impressive about him. His pressured dropback accuracy percentage at 48.2% was almost 10 points above the SEC average. And his 39.3 pressure dropback first down touchdown rate, oh my gosh, 13% above the average just about. So that's very, very impressive. And his interceptable pass rate in this context was almost three points below average. So he was not throwing the ball in the harm's way. He was giving his guys stabs at it, and he was getting key completions. I mean, look, his first down touchdown right here, that tracked with what Bryce Young was doing. Um, that's almost as good as some people's overall numbers without pressure. So segue into how was he doing with clean drop back, non-play action stuff inside the pocket. You know, without pressure, how is he in structure? Well, he maintains himself without throwing an interceptable pass. In fact, in 2021, in these circumstances, he did not have a single interceptable pass. You got to like that. Yeah, but his results track to be basically average, and like his overall stuff, his process is just a little bit concerning. Over a fifth of his passes were uncatchable, and his depth-adjusted accuracy was only moderately improved to uh, about 44%. So, yeah, that's one thing you have to keep an eye on. But targeting tight windows lets his live arm show out a little bit. His 23% makeup would have been the third highest rate in the SEC. And despite that propensity, he would have delivered an above-average completion percentage, accuracy percentage, and interceptable pass rate. Um, and, you know, that's considering 13% of those passes were dropped. Outside the pocket, um, you know, since he is kind of these uh, – I guess I would consider him a toolsy guy, even though I don't think he scrambles as much as uh, you need to – I guess, fall into that category. Very good numbers uh, relatively. About 14% of his attempts outside the pocket. About 49% were completed and accurate. And depth adjusted was just a smidge under 50% itself. So adjusted completion percentage of 72%. Uh, in considering that outside the pocket, you have a little bit of more of a high degree of difficulty. It's nice to see that that carried over and overly tracked with what his uh, pressured numbers did. So, yeah, he can handle himself. He's got good size. He's got a nice natural arm. He just has to get a little bit more refined and find a little bit more potency and consistency down to down. Number four, Quinn Ewers, Ohio State to Texas. Quinn Ewers is up next, so he's a very unique prospect. Everything about him is unique. His haircut, his journey, his throwing motion, everything is very, very singular. So he has elite arm talent. He wouldn't be this high on this list if he couldn't sling it. So I'm just a little um, cautious because we don't know exactly what he can do um, at the college level. So a few other Early enrollees, you know, guys who have bypassed their senior year of high school, John David Booty, Jake Bentley, JT Daniels, are guys I wouldn't say worked out for them. So, yeah, missing game experience is a big deal for him. It's going to be a big learning curve. Now, um, of course, the only real glimpses of him that we have since he didn't really do anything at Ohio State in public, and now he's back at Texas where he originally committed, 
He uh, had a nice deep ball in the spring game. A few RPO slant throws that also one of them also resulted in a touchdown and a few bootlegs, but nothing crazy whatsoever. I mean, he displayed okay mobility, uh, a good tight release, good enough vertical drive. But um, I don't know if it was nerves, rust, or just an innate inability to deliver accurate passes. So he had a few uncatchable balls. That is kind of a concern, but he is still young. It's just saying what he is at this point in time. So if he's going to be a starting cornerback for the Longhorns, just be prepared to potentially waste some downs. Uh, but the big play ability is certainly there. So, you know, some people say he's one of the highest consensus quarterbacks to come out in some time. High upside, sure. I am just definitely a little bit more wait and see, so um, that's why he's a little bit low on my list. Number three, Jackson Dart, USC to Ole Miss. Jackson Dart. You got to love that name, right, for a quarterback. But he is a raw, high-potential guy who still needs to refine his decision-making, his ball placement, and his overall accuracy to bring about consistency he was definitely a yellow type of quarterback during his first year at USC now he's at Ole Miss ironically you know when I was charting him across the sample you know who he reminded me the most of was a young Matt Corral of course Matt Corral in 2019 he did a kind of a part-time start job with John Reese Plumley, and he was often thrusted into situations when the offense needed a spark, when they were down on the scoreboard, or, or it was late. So he really had to play aggressively through the ball in the harm's way, but still showed enough arm talent to say, hey, this guy might be something. Very similar numbers, very similar process. So when you're looking at him in the group, no, his statistics are not going to jump off the screen. So, of course, only looking at him in a five-game sample or a four-game sample in his case, it is just not absolutely uh, something you want to take to the bank for a long-term thing. But, of course, it just shows how much room he has to go to get to be a decent quarterback. So, 9.7 interceptable pass rate. Yeah, uh, they are turnover prone. Uh, he is turnover prone. He, he makes risky passes. He's, he's definitely an aggressive tight window tester in that sense. Only Dylan Gabriel has a higher clip among the group in their sample. And only a third of his passes resulted in a first down or a touchdown. So the results just were not there. Um, also, his uh, explosive pass rate at 8.3, below average. Both of those below average and 21% of his passes were uncatchable. You know, that's uh, way too much, over a fifth. Again, yes, the degree of difficulty was high. He had a double-digit average depth of target, but his depth-adjusted accuracy when you're applying weight the further his passes traveled downfield came in below 40% and was one of the lower ones in the group. So, again, he has a long way to go in terms of that proving he can play at the next level, but, of course, he has the tools to do so. So, looking at him throwing downfield, pinpointing on his you know his his uh process it's just not strong 28 percent of his deep passes in his sample had potential to be picked off that was twice the sec average in sec play this past season 40 percent of these attempts were uncatchable it's just way way too much and unfortunately he just never displayed good results attacking the mid-range game either half of his attempts were caught that's fine but that's still relatively below average and his accuracy percentage was 11 points below the conference mean by SEC standards so um, a little concerning again he's young he's developing but it just shows there's not a whole lot of things statistically to prove 
that he can do well, execute well. So, But one of them, of course, is his mobility, his natural athleticism. He has a very strong lower body. This is apparent on his early tape. I mean, he steps up through the pocket and basically drags like three or four people. Um, not a lot of 18-year-olds can do that. Uh, it's very impressive. So he didn't suffer from an, an incredible amount of pressure from USC. Only about 24% of his dropbacks suffered from pressure. You know, that's six points below the average. And less than 3% of his dropback resulted in you know a takedown. So that would have tracked to be the best in the SEC. So very good at not moving backwards. His problem is just throwing the ball in the harm's way in that sense, okay? Um, his pressured uh, interceptable pass rate was 15%. That's five points below average. Everything else you got to like because his accuracy is right on par. His results are his, uh, his uncatchable and his like first down touchdown rate, for example, for results are way above average in that respect. So very good uh, process metrics in that case. It's just, yeah, just one too many are a little YOLO, you know, from time to time. But, yeah, very good at negating sacks. It's just, you know, putting the ball in the harm's way. So play action is one thing that really did help him deliver more consistency. He had about a 50% success rate, 50% first down touchdown rate, 18.8% uh, explosive pass rate, and his interceptable pass rate was on the good side of average. So uh, very nice returns there. But, you know, when we're stripping away the pressures, and the play actions, he, yeah, same type of things his overall profile projects, but the one major kicker is the uncatchable pass rate remains to be incredibly high, even when he was clean. Really, nothing going on around him. Almost a fifth of his passes were uncatchable. That's incredible. So, yes, he was still throwing the ball downfield, and yes, um, the ball still found itself almost into harm's way. Almost a tenth of his passes remain to be uh, turnover-worthy here. The process, when everything's clean, his stable metrics, his floor, just really uh, makes me hesitant on what he can do. Good thing is, again, he's going to a quarterback-friendly offense. Jeff Lebby's not there, but Charlie Weiss Jr. should maintain this uh, a similar scheme where it likes play-action crosses, all hitches, all slants, Yankee shots, um, some floods with an abundant RPO usage to facilitate those concepts. So uh, very quarterback-friendly design. He shouldn't necessarily be under the spotlight too much. But um, again, you can see why Luke Altmaier is challenging for the job just because of how far he has to go to being a competent down-to-down -down quarterback. Number two, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma to South Carolina. Spencer Rattler's my number two. What can I say? I like his upside. I like his arm talent. I think he can do things that some quarterbacks simply cannot. Now, the problem is he's become a checkdown Charlie, and no one wants one of those on the teams. They don't want a big-arm quarterback that's only dinking and dunking. Now, in the spring game, that was overly what he did. So, um, the offense, it does take some shots on occasions, but it looks like it's going to be a little bit more pro, where he's going to be the secondary facet and potentially let that run game establish itself before he comes into the picture. So it remains to be seen just how much he's going to be used and exactly what that offense is going to be look like. But early returns from the spring game, if you want to put any weight into it, is kind of lukewarm. But 
he, I still do like his long-term upside. So talking about what he is, he is a quarterback that just burst onto the scene. Uh, one of the best freshman campaigns, debut seasons you have seen in college football. Uh, I mean, in his sample, really, really fantastic numbers. I mean, you can look at how his figures stack up to the group in general. Very, very nice. And in that season, his freshman season, 12.3 average depth of target. He was throwing the ball downfield. He had an explosive pass rate that was almost five points above average. He had a first down touchdown rate that was almost 10 points above average. So he was taking care of business. But year over year, for whatever reason, Lincoln Riley wanted to do a little bit more deception tactics, more RPO tactics, maybe in an attempt to try and rein in his interceptability. You know, he did have a high, he has a consistently high interceptable pass rate. He does test tight windows a decent amount with arm hubris. That is something that cannot be ignored, and it is one reason why he ultimately lost his job. But this past season, in the few games from the 2021, only four deep balls. Only four! I mean, the previous season, he was definitely bombs away. Uh, almost half of his attempts traveled over 10 yards downfield, compared to basically over a quarter this past season, where he definitely focused more short, seeing his average depth of target shrink to 7.5. But as a freshman, half of his deep balls were accurate and caught, and his uncatchable pass rate was basically 15 percentage points below average. So he was certainly showing off incredible arm talent during his early years. And even though his mid-range game kind of sucked, that was one area this past season that I think really uh, shows his well-rounded game is coming into form because 92% completion percentage, 92% accuracy percentage, and a uncatchable pass rate that would have tracked to be the best in the conference. And this past season, he didn't toss a single interceptable pass in that area of the field. I really do enjoy what he can bring to the table there, but the big thing for him, and I cannot stress this enough, is... He is just a magician outside the pocket. He is incredible delivering fantastic results when either by his own fruition where he's flustered or it's a bootleg where he, you know, he can see the field on the move. He is fantastic. Pressure or no, 32% of Rattler's attempts in his sample occurred outside the pocket. And he delivered stats like this. Buckle in, folks. It's incredible. Uh, a 71% completion percentage, an 85% adjusted completion percentage, a 69% accuracy percentage with a 12.3 adjusted net passing yards per attempt, a 51.7 first down touchdown rate, 62% success rate, and only a 7% interceptable pass rate. So considering the risk-reward, he was certainly – taking care of business and to further emphasize how good or relatively good he was on long developing plays or extensions over a quarter of his throws had a greater time to throw than three seconds uh that's a lot no other sec starter with at least five starts had a clip that topped 23 percent no other sec -er managed to match his such 51% success rate or 12.1 yards per attempt while his accuracy and depth adjusted, you know, the process stuff, it's not just about the results. They track to be top five worthy by SEC standards as well. He is just so extraordinary in that sense. And so when you see how the NFL is really gravitating two guys who can win with extensions and uh, deliver the ball with strikes 
downfield, he checks these boxes. And it's not like his statistics completely fall off the cliff. He is still a worthwhile passer. He is not a foregone conclusion. Sure, he throws the ball in the harm's way, and that is concerning. Uh, but when you're looking at clean, drop-back, non-play-action stuffs inside the pocket, the flip side of him being really, really good outside the pocket playing backyard ball is he's not the best or the most consistent in structure. And that is certainly concerning coaches. But um, this past season, he's coming off a 70% success rate and a 60% depth-adjusted accuracy. Um, good returns. It's just his verticality, of course, continued to shrink year over year. Uh, in this criteria, 14 average depth of target in 2020, about 10 this past season. Yeah, that's a big difference. And it's while his interceptable pass rate did improve year over year, it still was in the double digits. And it tracked to be uh, a bottom five clip in the SEC, well doubling the conference average. So that is something that, again, will ultimately make or break him. Can he curb tossing the ball in the harm's way? And can he get back those splash gains that we all know and love? Sure, he is a proven passer to take care of business with play action. And he does get pretty good results with it. It's just his process without them can give the haters a lot of ammunition to say that he ultimately will be a bust. Number one, Caleb Williams, Oklahoma to USC. Caleb Williams, what can I say? He's a slam dunk person to have as the number one quarterback in this transfer portal season. He just turned in a very statistically pleasing season. He has noticeable traits. He looks to be a complete game and potentially program changer now that he is at USC's. One thing that really stood out for me, you know, I was surprised to see that his size is only kind of average, 6'1", 220. That's roughly what I uh, what I look like. So uh, relaxed in the pocket, eased posture, very minimal movement until he's flustered. Um, that doesn't sound like a young quarterback, but that is just very, very nice traits that you like to see. Um, and he has elite downfield zip and drive. There was one instance in his profile. He had a 41-yard pass on a line. Um, 56 depth of target was the longest I caught, even though it was incomplete. Sure, he does favor the right side like a lot of young quarterbacks. You know, it's just typical uh, type of operation there. But he really likes stuff outside the hashes, and he does have nice instinctual touch outside of the numbers. So, Looking at his result-based metrics, I mean, they just really do jump off the page. They're some of the best in the group. You know, his success rate is just under 50%. Um, his first down touchdown rate is the highest in the group, just under 44%. Uh, he has an above-average interceptable pass rate, but there are concerns with process. Despite having the highest average depth of target in the group at 11.9, he turned in a below-average explosive. He turned in a, a below-average uncatchable, and he turned in a below-average depth-adjusted accuracy. His clip finished just under 40%. So that proved some refinement is needed. He's not a complete prospect at this point in time. And when isolating his downfield throws, it's really disheartening to see that his arm didn't help deliver good figures whatsoever. On deep passes beyond 20 yards or more, his completion percentage fell in six points below the SEC average. His accuracy percentage was about 10 points below the SEC average. Half of his deep balls were just straight up uncatchable. 
really wasn't that special in the mid-range game. He did complete 58% of his passes, which was above average, but his 45% accuracy percentage was about 5% below average. And he did a decent amount of uh, risky passes with a 15% interceptable pass rate on throws with a depth of target of 11 to 20 yards. Yeah, he's still young and developing, just like a lot of these quarterbacks. There, I mean, very few college quarterbacks are perfect products, and even them, they hardly result in good pros. So it's taking it what it is. Just know this is some of the baggage he's coming with. And despite being a, a toolsy guy, an athletic guy, he didn't show to be overly sound against pressure. That's right. His dropback sack conversion rate or pressure to sack ratio, like I said, was average. His dropback sack rate was average, and he suffered from an average pressure rate himself. So, sure, he was a little bit more aggressive than the average passer in these circumstances, but half of these attempts were uncatchable, a sixth were interceptable, and only a third were accurate. All of that tracks to be decidedly below average. And playing for Lincoln Riley, like Spencer Rattler's play actions, definitely did help grease his bottom line. His raw accuracy percentage saw a gain. His first down touchdown rate saw a little bit of a gain. His explosive pass rate saw a little bit of a gain. And only 10% of those attempts were uncatchables and 5% interceptable. So absolutely, those uh, few attempts certainly had a positive influence on his bottom line. But when we're looking at him, his floor passing, what he can do when everything's stripped away, aggressiveness remains. The uncatchability is really, really strong. 15 average depth of target in clean drop back, no play action attempts inside the pocket. Less than 9% had no possibility to be caught. Only less than 6% of these attempts had potential to be picked off. All the while, his first down touchdown rate finished on the good side of average. Now, his success rate fell in well below average, and his explosiveness was also decidedly in that threshold. But a 17.1% drop rate. Very few of our group transfer quarterbacks have had that much adversity. That is a decided disadvantage that hurt his bottom line. And despite that, he still turned in really, really good results. Now, again, his refinement, his top-end accuracy is not overly there, but he throws a very catchable ball that gives his guy a stab at it, and that's ultimately all that you can ask for. Now, he's also a hoss scrambling the ball. In his 12 scrambles against his hardest opponents, he averaged just under 9 yards per carry with a quarter of those attempts resulting in a first down or touchdown. Um, not to mention, uh, he had 10 broken tackles across those 12 attempts. He was absolutely a hard man to bring down outside of structure. In structure, he was a little bit more efficient, but less potent. Only a 5.5 yards per attempt and a 35% uh, first down touchdown rate. And the broken tackle rate goes down to 23.1% with only a modest 1.77 yak. So, He's definitely a little bit more dangerous outside of structure. Not the best on design carries, but yeah, just because of how young he is, how strong he is with both his legs and his arms, he certainly can be a future number one overall pick. Whew. Take a deep breath. Yeah, you made it through it. That was a lot. Don't get me wrong. That was a massive deep dive, a lot of statistics on these top transfer quarterbacks and what they ultimately might bring to the table at their new stops and some of the things they still have to work on. So 
Uh, I want to, again, give another shout-out to the team at On3Sports. So check out our recruiting database, our recruiting pages, and the top transfer players on On3.com. And be sure to follow us uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, or whatever. You know, you can catch me at SEC underscore StatCat on Twitter. Uh, be sure to also check out Luke Stampini, Charles Power, Cody Belair, and Jesse Simonton, who all do a bang-up job covering the great game of college football. But until next time, I am Clark Brooks saying have a good one.